technology amplifies different parts of the human being so some technologies amplify the physical muscles uh, you can you can move faster with some machine uh, run faster fly in a car or, or in a car you can drive faster plane you can fly faster you can carry more weight so that's muscle amplification then there is technology which amplifies your senses so through a telescope or through a microscope or a electron microscope or mri you can you can get enhance the vision that eyes cannot do similarly you can enhance your ear your listening all the senses you can enhance with different kinds of technology artificial in, uh, intelligence enhances the mind it uh, augments the mind it amplifies the mind it enhances the mind so one pilot with ai in a in a rafael jet can do what 50 pilots would be needed to track so many different enemies so many different things going on so many decisions so many possibilities to figure out what's the optimum course uh, one normal pilot on his own would not be able to figure that out so that's kind of mind augmentation as an example uh, facial recognition can recognize more clearly better accurately much much faster than human beings can recognize faces so if uh, if somebody gave if somebody gave like we have on this uh, zoom uh, we have uh, you know several dozens of people with their faces but let's say there were thousands of people tens of thousands of people suppose the whole stadium full of people and uh, you want to recognize uh, where is ravindra ji in this whole group of 50000 people uh, it would not be very quick and easy for a human being to go looking for him but uh, a, a camera video video cameras uh, scanning uh, will be able to pick him out very quickly so this business of uh, uh, amplifying the mind our cognition uh, is what ai is able to do so ai itself is value neutral it's not good or bad it is just what it is and uh, it's like any any device to amplify human faculty can be put used for good things or bad things so the mind that is using this ai could be a good mind amplify it and do medical treatments and bring a, you know bring better discovery even mathematics even science and so on people are using uh, ai for discovery for for processing more uh, more information than they could humanly process certainly for engineering and design but a, a bad mind mind could also use it for bad purposes so ai is Uh, the good or bad of ai is not intrinsic to ai but depends on the way it is being utilized the current society consists of equilibriums equilibrium as you know as scientists consists of multiple forces held in balance there could be many many individuals in an equilibrium social equilibrium political equilibrium maybe an equilibrium in a family power structure maybe in the jobs maybe in the government and when you amplify somebody more than other then the equilibrium is disrupted it's like uh, people are physically held in balance they are equally strong but one person gets a boost more than the other person for physical strength so equilibrium breaks so this way all kinds of equilibrium which are mental psychological emotional among people uh ai will collapse will bring those down because the disruption of ai is not equal for everybody ai the equilibriums are also among industries among jatis and communities among regions of a country and between countries so whenever there is an equilibrium and you bring in a technology which makes one group stronger than the other then that equilibrium breaks so for example when the industrial revolution came to england the equilibrium of world trade broke england became the the colonizer because it gained so much power through industrial revolution india which was much stronger before became a colony india lost jobs and economy became poor and britain became very strong so that is the result of a disruption caused by industrial revolution and a whole new world order whole new world economy started for a few hundred years because of that ai is of that magnitude ai will disrupt the economy it will disrupt industries it will disrupt governments it will disrupt individuals it will disrupt ev everything which has to do with mind as as long as there is use of mind 
the ai will amplify it will will we allow one person to disrupt the other to control the other's mind amplify your own mind augment your own mind etc so the scope of ai is as broad as the scope of the industrial revolution and this is now considered a new industrial revolution by a lot of people the important thing to remember is that the impact of ai is unequal to different people and different countries unequal means not everybody gets this not everybody goes from one level to the same next level different people are at different levels and sometimes a person who was low can end up higher and sometimes a person who was high will end up even higher so the rich may become richer at the cost of the poor china may become a new colonizer colonize pakistan because they've already put surveillance lakhs of surveillance cameras to keep track of security and all that but with this surveillance and with the facial recognition china is also tracking all the movements of politicians and generals and their scandals in their private life and all the secrets they keeping track of that also they already have a deal signed with countries in africa like zimbabwe where the zimbabwe has invited them to do all this surveillance and china keeps track of all the what's going on politically with different people and keeps uh, keeps the leaders the, the dictatorial leaders of zimbabwe in power this is like british east india company kept certain raja in power in exchange the raja gave them all the whatever they wanted the british east india company knew the secrets of this raja and that raja and that raja they could decide i will make you fail i'll make you win and they could be the ones manipulating so this artificial intelligence allows the system the intelligent system to be able to keep track of individuals and communities and be able to compromise compromise their mind because it knows more about you than you know may know yourself the global impact of ai is at the level of individuals at the level of communities regions within a community and countries versus each other so for instance if there are driverless cars maybe a few very big companies in india will get better economy their share price will go up maybe bangalore will have more jobs ai jobs for such people but the drivers in poor poor places like bihar or odisha or up or any poor place they are not going to get the job in ai they will lose their job as a driver so it could be a several lakh drivers are out of work and a few thousand ai engineers are doing well so the impact is not the same even among regions of the same country but think of what happens between one country and another just like in the case of industrial revolution so this is a very big deal this is not something you can say or ignore it the book i have written i'll put it here artificial intelligence and the future of power five battlegrounds so the question is what are these five battlegrounds and why did i organize it like this so i want to tell you that i did 5 years of research uh, uh, connecting with my original topic of ai but uh, that original knowledge decades ago was obsolete i had to do fresh research get myself up to speed in order to produce this book so i divided the impact into four main battlegrounds and then the fifth battleground is india where you take all these four battlegrounds and apply it to india as a case study the four battlegrounds you know in in our philosophy you have a sthul sharir which is the physical body how strong you are physically your food your diet your immune system are you exercising are you healthy those kind of things and then there is the sukshma sharir which is the subtle body the mind psychology emotions those kind of things so i have taken that concept and applied it to the whole rashtra all of india has a sthul sharir and a sukshma sharir so the question is how will artificial intelligence impact india's sthul sharir which means physical body and how will it affect the sukshma sharir of india which is a subtle body so as far as sthul sharir is concerned which is the physical body there is domestic impact and there is international impact the domestic impact is economy impact on jobs impact on unemployment what will become obsolete and what will become the new thing who will be the winners and losers who will be the haves and have nots in the sthul sharir impact 
This is very important. In terms of international relations, China is 10 years ahead of India in artificial intelligence. They are very advanced in robotics, in avionics, in drones, in all kinds of things. Also in using social media and digital cameras all over the place to do surveillance on people. And they're doing it even to the United States, to the UK, certainly for India, to India. And they're quietly building information and, how, and psychological models on which group will fight. You can make this group fight that. You can put fake news here. You can make them do this and that. So this is also a, a clever game. So at the level of uh, uh, the physical threat to India, you have, you have the prospects of a Pakistan-China combination where China has the physical might of money, AI technology, and Pakistan has boots on the ground, they can give a lot of human beings to do all the dirty work, whether it is the normal army, whether it is terrorists. This is a very serious threat. And this equilibrium I've discussed with military people in India, they understand it. I would say so far, the people that have understood and appreciated my work the best are military people both United States, national defense, security people, military people, and also in India. They understand that AI is disrupting the equilibrium. So for instance, India, China had a certain equilibrium. India, Pakistan have a certain equilibrium. Because China is ahead in AI, this can create a new imbalance, can create havoc. So in the, at the Sthulishari level, you have both the uh, domestic issues in India, and you have the international issues in India, where disruptions are taking place because of AI. And this is not going to take uh, two, three generations. This is going to happen in this decade. During the decade, which means by 2030, and probably much sooner, the impact of AI disrupting equilibriums and status quo will become very visible. It will become a talk. Everybody will be talking about it. In fact, during this year itself, as this book comes out, you will notice that discussions on AI will become all over the place in India. Suddenly, people will wake up and start becoming experts on AI, you know, as if they've known it for a long time. Because this book is going to make that kind of a shaking up, waking up effect on a lot of Indians. Now, let's talk about the Sukshma Sharif, which is the psychological, emotional side of, a of, a, of life. So the Sukshma Sharif, you know, the more data is known to the artificial intelligence system, the more it can learn about you. This is called big data and machine learning, which uses uh, you know, neural networks and various kinds of things uh, are, are technologies to figure out you know, how is uh, Ravindraji thinking? Where does he say yes? What does he click? What does he accept? What does he reject? What does he like? So every single click from you, every single click from you is measured is recorded and your uh, 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 behavior profile is updated from every single click you make. Every single picture you post is recognized. Who are you with? What is your face? Is it angry? Is it sad? What are you celebrating something? Who are your friends? All of that. All your move, movements and whereabouts, your financial behavior patterns. What are you buying from some place, wherever you're buying? So a map of who you are, how you live, what are your choices? What you like and dislike? Who you like and dislike? What is your ideology? Who you'll vote for? Who are you against? How we can put something to make you fight this fellow? How we can make, make you, how we can put something to make you in love with somebody? All of this is being constantly studied. This is called machine learning. So the algorithms are being trained with this data that you are supplying. So the, the game is to make you use free services thinking they are doing you a favor. So what you search tells us about your interest. What video you watch tells us about your interest. Where you hang up on the video says, okay, your attention span is big or small. What topic you watch up till when you watch and then when something changes, you don't watch it. So it tells us something about you. So AI is perfecting its understanding of human psychology and human beings better than any human psychologist knows. Your knowledge about you is more understood the AI systems knows better about you than your relatives and friends and even yourself because it has much more data about you. And this data has been tested. 
This data has been tested every time, every time uh, a certain set of ads are given or some options are given to your on your screen. It is different for the next person. The, the options, the things that they send to me and the things that they send to you are different. Everybody is different. And then depending on which option I choose, which option I don't choose, the algorithm upgrades. The algorithm gets upgraded. So you see, this is the, this is the, I would say this is one of the most remarkable breakthroughs in human science. It is not just that, okay, simple mathematics is going to do this, is doing it, so it's nothing very profound. I think what is profound is the understanding of human learning, how humans behave. So AI is also used to understand the behavior of a virus. So just like you can throw data at a human being and see what he likes, what he doesn't like, how he behaves. And the behavior response is a signature of each person. There's a signature of how person A will behave, how person B will behave when you throw some data at them. Same way, you can also learn about a pathogen. You can learn about a virus or a bacteria by me measuring its behavior under various conditions. And this, the data is so huge that human beings will not take, it'll take many years for human beings to understand. So just like you can learn the behavior of, in, of individuals, you can learn the behavior of communities, jatis, countries, people of this religion, people of, who are Dalits from Delhi, or people who are Brahmins in this area, or, or people who are Muslim minority. So you can map all of that behavior, and then you can manipulate them. You, you know what will get them angry, what will get them fighting each other. So what the British did divide and rule, the AI system can do much better. This is why I call it Breaking India 2.0. We are now in Breaking India 2.0. The enemies of society know this game very well. They have been at it for a long time. I'm in fact describing all that in my book. So what looks like, you know, uh, free service, Gmail is free, search engines are free. Uh, we make friends, we put up our pictures everywhere. Everything is free. Let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered that the richest people in the world today who made their money in the past 10, 15 years and the companies with trillion dollar market cap, these social media companies, the digital giants, they made all this money in the last 10, 15 years and they made it with, by giving you things free. So what a, what a, you should be thinking, bhai, what a great thing. The richest people in the world have made all this unimaginable amount of money by giving things free. What a, what a big, what a nice, huh? this must be amazing. So you have to think, how come, how come you as a consumer of services which are free have a role to play in making them the richest people in the world? How are they making their money? So you have to ask yourself, they're making their money because you're a map of your mind. The algorithms of Ravindraji's mind, person X's mind, person Y's mind, Rajiv's mind, the algorithms which describe how this person's mind works is worth a lot of money. You can sell it to people who are sell, trying to sell goods, services, movies, vacations. You can sell it to the church who want to convert them. You can sell it to the madrasa that wants to create Islamism, Islamist terrorism by figuring out who are the right people and what to say to them. You can sell it to the political parties to get you to vote a certain way. So wherever there is mind, wherever you're using the mind and your emotions and your psychology, there is a use of AI to enter into your mind and manipulate it. So AI is a mind management tool. And so therefore AI is as pervasive as mind. For people to say, oh, I'm economist, I don't know about AI. I've come across a lot of people like that. And I tell them, are bhaiya fool. It's like, suppose when the industrial revolution started in England, suppose you were an economist saying, I'm an economist, I don't know anything about industrial revolution. Then you would be an obsolete economist. Please, I have been disappointed by some of the leading economists in India who are my friends also. And they are famous, they're all over the social media. When I asked them about this AI, I want to discuss this and that, they tended to say, I'm an economist, sir. It shows how obsolete they are as economists if they don't even understand. If they don't even understand the impact of AI on the economics. economics. I asked a leading economist, how do you measure 
the economic activity in all the villages. After a lot of song and dance, he told me that this Indian Statistical Institute, which is one of the best in the world, they send people to do surveys in certain villages in every region of the country. And they look at how much, what, what is the activity, economic activity, social activity going on. So it is basically sampling. It is not exhaustive information. It is sampling information. And it is one year after the fact. So 2021, they will be doing a survey for 2020 activity. They will publish it a year later. So I told him that uh, today, today, this kind of data on activity, what is going on in every down to every village and district is known to the Facebook and it is known to Google because they are measuring activity. They, they are reading your messages. They are, they are know whether, whether some activity has gone up, whether sales have gone up, whether travel has gone up, whether travel has gone down. In other words, actually, uh, I, I was very surprised. Uh, Google gave a business seminar in Bombay uh, uh, some time back on uh, how the pandemic is affecting different regions and different districts. Uh, different migrant workers, they're giving data, charts, all that, which the Indian Statistical Institute have no clue. So people sitting in a foreign country are measuring more about your country than you know about yourself. Imagine the church sitting somewhere else knows more. What has happened? How many are more people going to Mandir, less people going to Mandir compared to last year, Diwali up or down? Uh, what is happening to this person's family, that person's family? What is the state of Pujaris in India? They know the map of their target. That is their target. And they know the map of what is going on. And then they can make their plans accordingly. They can even send fake news. They can even send them incentive. They can even send them something to make them feel good or make them feel bad. They can even tell people whom to hate, how to hate. So this mind management through the digital media, through this AI system is very powerful. So only, a per, I mean, I can't understand why people in the home ministry told me that AI hoga. I said, Are bhaiya, your entire security, your entire security and the ability to keep safe and order, safe, this is all going to be affected by AI and you better understand it. So then, so this has been a project of mine for, uh, for several years. Now, China made billion dollar bets on many things. They became the leader in social, in so AI, by AI, I mean a cluster of technologies, which are all AI brings them together. Like the mind puts all the different parts of the body together. Similarly, AI brings together avionics and semiconductors and uh, quantum computing. Quantum computing will be a very big thing. Uh, and robotics uh, and, and nanotechnology and biotechnology, drug discovery, it really is the brains behind a lot of these things. So I have been looking at, the impact of this and why China got ahead. Do you know until 15 years ago, India was the world superpower in software. India was the software superpower of the world even 10 years ago. But now China is ahead in AI and AI is the cutting edge of software. AI is the latest development, the latest accomplishment in computer science. Everybody in computer science now want to go into AI. So how is it that if we are the world superpower in software, now we are 10 years behind China in that same thing in AI. How did it happen? In my book, I have a lot written on what India did wrong, what India's software industry did wrong, how they lost this race. We were ahead of them. We had a very short term Jugaad attitude and we lost this to China. Now they're 10 years ahead of us. So this uh, China made many large bets. Some of these have huge implications on national defense. For example, quantum computing will bring about computers that will be a million times or more than a million times faster than the current computers. So much so that all the encryption, all the security, uh, all the passwords, uh, all of that will be obsolete. So if somebody has a quantum computer with one click, he can hack into your network and take it over. He can replace the information with fake information. He can change your database with whatever he wants. He can change the faces and images and pictures with new pictures. In other words, he can just take over as if he's the owner. So imagine you have sent a missile to the enemy in a war and his quantum computer can hack into your missile and, and give it the direction to go back to your camp and blow up on you. 
So somebody sends an, a missile from India to China, China send it back to India to blow up. That is what quantum computing can do. In theory, in, in principle, it can do that. Now there's a race for quantum computers. India is a decade behind. USA was number one, but they suddenly realized that China stole these secrets. China did a lot of hacking. China stole a lot of secrets in many different ways. And I'm, I'm aware of it. I know about it. I've talked to many people. This is why United States military and CIA suddenly are very concerned about China. It is all about AI, the loss, the, the loss of leadership in AI. Because a decade ago, China announced that by 2025, it wants to be the world superpower in AI. The world superpower in AI. And nobody took them seriously, but now US thinks that they already are already catching up. They're already almost there. If you look at the number of AI patents in the world and uh, the amount of dollars of investment, India is nowhere. India is nowhere. You have the top 70, 80% of the share is owned by US and China combined. And then there is Japan, there's Korea, there's Russia, there's European Europe and uh, Israel. India is after all of that. So we, we are not some software superpower. We gave labor. We are still, we got large amount of Indian labor in AI also, but this Indian minds are working for Western companies. They're not working for Indian companies. They're building the technology and intellectual property, not for India, but make in America. They're doing make in America, make in China, make in Europe technology. India supplying labor, but the asset belongs to somebody else. Even, even the AI research being done in India, most of the patents of AI done by Indian people in India belong to Microsoft India, Google India. It's the American company sitting in India hiring these people. And the economists are so out of clue, out of touch. Our economists haven't figured it out. We think it's a, it's a big uh, achievement that we are getting remittances from software. We are getting remittances from software, so we must be doing well. But the man who's hired for $10,000 a year in India and works for some foreign thing, and then he's, he's, his billing rate is 30,000. The company, Indian company hires him for 10,000 and sells him for 30,000 to some American company. An American company very happy to hire him. That technology is worth lakhs of dollars. So we are, we are buying back medical equipment. We are buying back defense equipment. We are buying back so many kinds of technologies, which we don't have, which we don't produce. But if you go to the American company where these things are being made, more, many of those scientists are Indian only. So it is a stupid thing to sell your brains and think I'm making money. And the smart thing is somebody buys that Indian's brain, makes some technology, sell it back to you for a huge price. Not only we, we spend most of our foreign exchange on importing weapons and medical equipment and things like that. Not only that, but we are always one or two generations behind in technology. They will not give us the latest. They will give us, if they'll give us generation N, they are working on N plus one and N plus two. So we will always be behind them. This is, this is and our economists don't know this. Our economists measure how, how much we, how well we are doing based on how many people are going, selling their brains and bringing back money. This is short term jugad. It is not superpower. This is not how you become Vishwa Guru. This is how you become Vishwa Kuli. You become the Kuli to the world. You're offering Kuli services to the world. In fact, I feel very sorry. This book is dedicated to the young scientists and technocrats. It, this book is dedicated to the young scientists and technocrats. Because I feel that they've been sold out. They're, 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 you see, to do justice to these young people, they should be the ones who are the billionaires. They should, India should be developing its own industry, its own technology, its own products, rather than selling cheap labor. So I have uh, discussed this in great detail uh, in, in this book. Now, the issue of concern to me, one of the issues of concern, very serious concerns is the breaking India forces, which are, uh, you know, India has got all these divisiveness, uh, whether it is religion, whether it is caste, whether it is social strata, whether it is region, whether it is political party, whatever, all of these fighting each other. Now what has happened is that the 
artificial intelligence hacking the brain and the psychology of all these people are, is, is the new frontier for psychological warfare, emotional warfare, intellectual warfare, telling the people whatever jute mood it takes to make them aroused, create a riot here. When George Soros was accused during the riots in Delhi against CAA and Article 370, what was George Soros doing? He was using machine learning. He, not him personally, but he's funded a lot of entities. Using machine learning to send out all these messages through social media and experiment to see what works. Who picks up this message? Who riots? Who, who joins this group? Who leaves that group? Who's fighting whom? To understand the behavior profile of Indians of a very large number, or large amount of diverse people, understand their emotional, psychological behavior profile. When you, when you expose them to many, many kinds of messages, true messages, false messages, good messages, bad messages, just to learn about them. This, this is, was an experiment to learn, to learn how you can do these things in India, how you can arouse people in India. So this, this is what the East India Company did, sending social scientists, anthropologists. They would come, Indologists were doing this job only. Indologists' job was to figure out Pandit is like this, his Shastra teaches him like this. He will not, uh, he will sit on the floor. He will not eat with this Muslim guy. This guy is a different caste. He will not eat with that. How to make this one fight that one? How to make, how, what, what deal to make with this Raja? So if we help this Raja on what basis to help to fight that Raja? So we come out ahead. So it took them a couple of hundred years to hack into the Indian mind. And they understood Indian mind better than many Indians understood. They had, uh, they had more knowledge how to make this person from one state fight the other fellow from a different state. More, they understood both the states more than either state understood each other. So it is the mental outwitting, outsmarting, which allowed them to manipulate Indians, whether it was the Madras presidency, whether it was the Marathas, whether it was the Sikh empire, whatever. Uh, they ultimately, their success is not because they had uh, uh, more, more uh, soldiers. They had very few soldiers compared to the Indians, but they knew how to use the Indian on their side. They knew how to hire the Indian, use them on their side and fight each other Indians. That sort of thing. So the AI is the next weapon for breaking India forces. This is breaking India 2.0. Intellectual Kshatriya 2.0. The Kurukshetra 2.0 Kurukshetra. This is not the old Kurukshetra. So now I hope you understand why this work is relevant. This work is, this will be for the next decade. This book will be like the book Breaking India was one decade ago. A decade ago, I wrote Breaking India and Being Different. And that defined the discourse for 10 years. So many, so many thought leaders came. So many people doing mantan and so many video channels have started basically taking the ideas of Breaking India and spinning it differently, different terminology. They call it urban naxal. They call it this and that. But basically taking those ideas and writing books, writing many things about it. So 10 years of intellectual masala, intellectual discourse, intellectual subject matter came out of those books. I'm now telling you those are obsolete. Not only those books have been superseded, they have to be updated. But all these Hindu activists, Hindutva activists basically are obsolete because they are not aware of the next generation, the new level of fighting going on. They are not aware of Kurukshetra 2.0. They have to read this book. They have to read this book, understand Breaking India 2.0, and they have to become intellectual Kshatriyas 2.0. So this is my slogan. Read my book and become intellectual Kshatriya 2.0, okay, to fight the battles against Breaking India 2.0 forces. When I told this, to important people, I don't want to embarrass them, their friends. Many places I went to, many authorities I went to for the last few years, giving them PowerPoint presentations, private presentation, writing to them here and there. They all listened to me. Nobody took it seriously. Now, when I was writing this book in 2019, uh, early part of 2019, so about two years ago, I was sitting in a hotel in, uh, I was sitting in the Shangri-La Hotel in Bangalore where I was staying and I was having breakfast with this young person who came and said, tell me what your new book is. So I got in a mood. I said, okay, I'm going to talk because normally I decided I'll keep quiet until book comes out. 
when i told her this whole thing she said she was so scared she said don't write this book i said why she said because you'll give ideas to our enemies you will give ideas to our enemies i said you underestimate our enemies our enemies already know these things i want to shake up our leaders it is our leaders who don't know these things they need to be shaken up so the reason i'm going public is because private discussion here and there did not produce any result nobody taking it seriously so this is this is where we are the only battleground where the leaders understand this very seriously is this military national security battleground the indian generals security people i have had discussion with a lieutenant general with with a with an air vice marshal i have i am recording many more which have not yet been come out yet but we will be posting them they understand this threat they are, they like this book they think that this will shake up uh, many people and they will then begin to take the threat more seriously so now i want to discuss spirituality there is artificial intelligence will disrupt the spiritual trajectory of a person by making people more materialistic but there is also the other side by using vedic principles by using vedic metaphysics which i will not disclose right now but by using vedic metaphysics vedic principles sankhya shaivism and various other kinds of principles mimamsa you can generate a next generation of ai much better than any ai in the world today so if india wants to leapfrog ahead there are certain models of mind because remember i said in the beginning ai amplifies the mind so it has to understand how mind works and then make it better try to make it amplified so neuros currently ai is the result of a collaboration between neuroscience and computer science neuroscience says here is how the neurons work and the computer science make neural network simulate how neurons work kind of mimic the way neurons work in the brain so it's a ai is the result of a collaboration between computer science and neuroscience neuroscience supplying the models but these models model and i've explained the book these models are based on a western materialistic assumption about biology that there is an assumption which says there is no spirituality it is all a machine the person is a machine it's a biological machine and we figure out the algorithm of this biological machine so rajiv is just a machine his heart is a machine lungs are a machine all organs are machine his head brain everything is machine only and we have this way of figuring out how the machine works and then we will make better better algorithm faster algorithms and make his performance better that is how ai is what if we remove we replace this western model of mind western model of memory western model of cognition western model of learning with vedic models what if we produce a vedic based ai system a vedic based learning machine learning system what happens then so that is that is why i'm doing this research i'm doing the research for many levels one level to shake up indians that you know we are lagging behind we have to catch up we are going to be in trouble that is one level and to tell them what is this breaking india forces number 2.0 doing sitting all over the world how they are going to play one indian against another we are being gamified which means that we are we are the uh, the chess pieces on the board and somebody else is from foreign country pulling the string moving us around making us fight each other we are being gamified so one level is to give you knowledge of that another level is that there is also ai having interaction with spiritual side of our being uh, because if it has anything to do with mind it has to do with spirituality also it can distort your mind make you addicted make you a slave that has an effect on spirituality of course you just like you don't want people to go on drugs the same thing if people are wearing virtual uh, uh, augmented reality goggles and they're having fantasy vacation and they're having fantasy this and that and they don't need to do anything that also has spiritual effect if people say i don't need to learn anything because google will tell me that means google is the new devata google devata twitter devata i i have used these terms in my book facebook devata wikipedia devata siri will tell me i speak and siri will tell me what i need to know why do i need any knowledge i have lot of young people telling me 
that knowledge is obsolete. So forget this Indian knowledge system business. All knowledge is obsolete because whatever I need to know, I will speak and uh, this Google fellow or Siri or whatever will tell me. So they are the new devatas. So now I have to learn the agama of how to please Google devta, how to keep Twitter devta happy so he will not block me. He will promote me more. He will, I will get more retweets. If I get more retweets, then I will be famous. I will maybe better for matrimony, for jobs, for prestige, maybe for elections, for whatever. You know, I will be recognized more because uh, the social media likes me more. So I have to, I have to learn how the search engine optimization. I have to learn all these things to keep these devatas happy. So this business of new devatas, new adhikaris replacing our traditional adhikaris. For, uh, forget the acharyas. Forget the shastras. Forget the uh, uh, agamas. Forget the devatas. This is, this is a technology which is supplying new devatas, new, its own shastra, its own knowledge. The Wikipedia is a new shastra. Okay. And, uh, and the, 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 the adhikaris are the people who know how to uh, manage this whole system and create this whole system. And the devatas are the ones that are, are, the, are the search engines and so on that we must learn how to, how to be nice to so that then they look after us. So we are actually sold. We've sold out ourselves. This is, a, this is the battleground number four. It's in chapter five, all, all this stuff that I'm telling you. So you see, the thing is that uh, it, it, it is so important for Indians who are thought leaders in every discipline, whether it is defense people, whether it is economics people, whether it is psychologists, whether it is political people, whether it is spiritualists, it is important for them to understand what this means so that we are able to use it in a way that helps our side and not let other people use it against us. You see, just like we have, we need missile technology so we can use it against others. Otherwise they'll use it against us. Just like we have nuclear technology, just like we have space technology. We have to be at the cutting edge in the world in AI technology. That's how basic and how important this whole thing is. I must tell you, I'm very disappointed with the leaders of India. I have gone privately to so many spiritual gurus. They are not interested. They have this idea that very simplistic and they have this arrogance that who is he to tell me? Uh, I know more. I have not gone to all the gurus. I, I have, there are some very good gurus I should go to and talk to them about it. But I went to the famous big, big gurus type people through their organizations. They know me. They don't want to, they don't want to have, they don't think that there's anything they can learn from a guy like me. Uh, but when I say, okay, let's come and discuss this publicly. Let's discuss the spiritual ramifications, the spiritual impact of AI. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. But I have found some young people. Like uh, I found a young head of Ramakrishna mission in New York. Uh, we are going to collaborate. He's come out very openly. He was in the book launch also. So I'm finding a few leaders in different, different departments. I'm going to look for some economists also. Uh, and so the way forward is I'm going to collaborate with people who are subject matter experts in various domains, the battlegrounds, the different five battlegrounds. And I then with their help, I will move forward and you will see every few weeks, more and more people will jump on this bandwagon and join with us. And then soon this AI will become a very big topic of conversation. I wanted to bring this to you. I want to tell you because of the sincerity and love and persuasion with which Ravindraji approached me and Chitiji approached me. I have for the first time today explained the entire thesis of this book, which I have never done before. I have only talked, answered some question here and there. I've had some group discussion where they tell me, uh, but I've never had a webinar where I've gone and said, okay, I'm going to spend 45 minutes and I will tell you in detail. I've just gone and said, okay, ask me question. I give an answer. That's all it. Okay. But I did this for the first time in SIAA because I remember, I, I know that this is where you got a lot of brains. You got a lot of people with the right heart and the right brain and the right leaders. And so I'm very delighted and honored that uh, you gave me the time and I, I have uh, done this with you. Uh, I thank you for it. I hope you will read this book. It's available. It's available now everywhere in the world. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy Kindle, hard copy, whatever you want. And uh, once you've read it, I hope to hear from you. I would like to do more panel discussions with subject matter experts, expert on this thing, expert in that thing, different kind of experts. I am very concerned about India. But you know, India 
has the brains to solve the problem. We just need to put everything together. We need to come together, understand how serious the matter is. I'm reminded of John F. Kennedy in 1961 when, it, when you know, suddenly, uh, suddenly the Soviet Union went ahead in space and Americans were left behind. Sudden surprise, they went in space. Then John F. Kennedy announced in 1961, he said, it is my dream that before the end of this decade, United States should put man on the moon. Now that was such a huge uh, jump because people were just going into orbit space, you know, going to moon, sending a man and coming back was not even, no country was thinking like that. But he said in 1961 that my dream is to do it before the end of this decade. Now, John F. Kennedy didn't live to see it, but Neil Armstrong in 1969, same decade, walked on the moon. So that is how the power can be if you really make up your mind. India has also done this. The ISRO is a good example of leading in space, cutting edge in space, because we put in the resources and we gave the priority that we're not going to be depending on any other country for that technology. Homi Baba, when, when India was very poor in the 1950s, had food shortages. He convinced Nehru that in atomic energy, we have to be self-sufficient and we have to be cutting edge and we should not be behind anybody because our future security depends on it. He convinced it. So like we have done for Baba, uh, atomic research, we've done for space research, we need to do it for AI. That is my reason for writing this book. And it is because of tremendous love for India and concern that you know, we, need to, we need to take care of this. Otherwise, we'll have problems, seriously. That is why I stopped everything else five years ago. And I kept telling people wondering, Kya kar rahe? I said, I'm not interested in this scandal and that controversy and one more discussion about what is happening to this or that problem. There are plenty of people who are doing that. I don't want to waste my time because I'm doing something very big, very serious. And I want to get that out. So the book would have come out a year ago, but for the pandemic, it was almost ready to go to press, but we had some issues. And when we were sorting out these issues, the pandemic started, so we got delayed. Uh, but now it is out. And uh, this, is my, this is my contribution, my humble contribution to all of you and to our Bharat. And uh, uh, thank you very much for giving me this chance. Namaste. Well, without doubt, with your very inspirational uh, speech, I know uh, many of us are alarmed and we will definitely look forward to reading the book. Um, but the question now is, I, I, we understand that probably you are saying that social sciences are absolute, uh, absolute uh, but can we not modify them? Can we not uh, just uh, change the way that they can be helpful? Yes, just yes. No, no, they're obsolete in the sense that you need to come up with a more updated version. Not that social science don't need are not needed. Of course, we need it. We need to understand society. But you know, societies, so the way you understand and measure the behavior of society today with all this uh, intelligence gathering going on, with all this surveillance, with all this real-time information, where you know what, hap what the state of the world is last night, you know right now, you know one day later, you know one hour later, you know what the pulse is, political pulse. There is something called sentiment analysis. In machine learning, there are so many things. One thing is called sentiment analysis, where by reading the posts, tweets, and different things people are sending, you can measure the sentiment of people. Are people angry? Are people happy? Are they more optimistic, less optimistic? In every region, every country, every district, every village, every community, you can be monitoring on your dashboard. You can have a dashboard of sentiment monitoring. You're monitoring the sentiments of societies, different, different societies. Okay, so you can, you, you know, something happened. So what is the sentiment as a result of that? What is change? How the sentiment changed? Whether it is a stock market, whether it is COVID-19, some new medicine came, whether it is somebody got arrested, whether it is some, um, you know, calamity happened. What is the result of everything that goes on? What is the impact on sentiment of people, which means psychological modeling? So with so much sophistication going on, this is, this is, it is a shame that social scientists in India haven't taken note of this. I mean, if I were a young fellow, I'm 70 plus, so I would have to be in my 20s, let's say, I would either be developing the next generation of AI using Vedanta. And I have many ideas on that. And if there are young people, I'll mentor them because I can't do it. I'm just too old. 
I can't take any position. I don't want any, you know, any responsibility, but I have ideas. I can guide people. So I would either be at the cutting edge of AI technology, or I would be in social sciences using AI for society, you know, or I'd be into counter counter terrorism because the, the, the breaking India forces are using AI and Indians don't even know it. They were, they're using AIs to bring down our country and bring down our society. And I would have a counter force to train people. So I would be doing something quite uh, out of the box, quite futuristic. It's just that, uh, you know, at this age, I have health issues, but I'm still working very hard. I get up at four in the morning, four to five in the morning, I'm up. And this is all I do. All I do is my research. So I'm extremely well read on AI. I'm very well read. I've read what is it. There is something, do you know, there is something called Christianity and AI. Hmm. I told this to our people, gurus. I said, there is a Christianity and AI. There's a whole study in seminaries and in some Christian think tanks on the future of Christianity, how to use AI. How to use AI as a weapon to convert, to convince, to, uh, you know, how to put uh, Christianity, uh, Christian ideas uh, embedded in the, in the substratum of uh, AI engines. One of them proposed that uh, next time there's a uh, natural disaster, for disaster relief, the church should also, the missionaries should also send robots. Robots mm-hmm. to give food and give medicine and all. And these robots should also, when they're giving food, they're also quote from the Bible also. So there is this, there is this uh, uh, robotic, uh, robotic missionaries. So, you know, the world is moving very fast. So you have all kind of people involved in this, except our own people. Thank you very much for pointing out all these uh, uh, things which are not commonly uh, known uh, to, to a common man. And I, I, I'm very, very happy um, that, uh, that you explain all that to us. The race is real and the time is short. It is running, running out. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you very you. much.